Hey church, welcome to Beyond Sunday. Thanks for joining us. Billy Reader here with me. Billy, welcome. Hey man, thank you for awesome having me. Awesome job this weekend, um, preaching on why the cross, why was the cross necessary? Very compelling. Uh, I loved your stories that helped our, our brains understand this idea of substitutionary atonement. Um, penal, penile. No, penal, you got that. Penal substitutionary atonement. Right. That's what that's the yes. theological term for what you taught on this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Freudian slip there. Um, but yes, uh, Not you penile, have it. penal. <laughs> OK, let's keep How saying do you it. spell it. Uh, P-E-N-A-L. A-L. Penal. Yes. Su- substitutionary atonement. I got to write this down. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? You, you. I mean, well, so let's talk about the concept of atonement theories for just a second. So. Over the course of Christian which is what history, all which is what all of our community groups are asking. They were begging for that that definition. <laughs> this is so nerd let's do talk. It. Let's go. This is nerd talk. So atonement theories began to develop uh, throughout Christian history because Christians wanted to understand why the cross. They were asking mm-hmm. that question, and so there was frameworks and just different models that they came up with. And substitutionary atonement theory really is the more predominant one. It's the one that we find a lot of evidence in Scripture and especially in sort of Western Christianity. Uh, the the idea of the Lord taking our place, and that's what happened at the cross, has really landed as as far as kind of one of the predominant things of what Christ was doing for us. But there's other ones um, that developed. There's ones like Christus Victor. Uh, that's an atonement theory. For those of you nerds, you want to Google that, Christus Victor. You'll see that that one is like modeling how Christ is victorious over all things. Mm-hmm. That he stands over and above sin, not just sin, but the enemy, the devil, the world itself, and he is victorious. And so that's kind of the thrust there. Uh, there's all kinds of different, there's probably seven or eight different atonement theories that people study and they land on and they talk about. Mm, fascinating. Um, one of the things that we touched on a little bit, but I think it'd be fun for us to talk about a little, a little bit more is um, the concept of innocent suffering, mm. both Jesus's innocent suffering and how that relates to our innocent suffering, things we go through in life that just are not fair. Um, we didn't deserve it. We didn't ask for it. It came upon us. It's not fair. Um, we struggle with that. We wrestle in the book of James. We've been talking about these trials um, now, some of them we caused, and it's it's it really is our fault, and there was consequences to actions. Others are are innocent suffering mm-hmm. that from time to time we may have to go through. Um, and Jesus, he went there. He did in the most powerful way you could you could possibly imagine. Yeah, this is more of like a deleted scene. This this content didn't make it into the sermon because it's really a, probably a sermon in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about suffering, you just mentioned it, there's different types of suffering. There's suffering that, in a sense, we bring on ourselves. We talked about this like, hey, I've been smoking six packs of cigarettes a day, and now I have lung cancer, and lung cancer's terrible. Yeah. My grandfather died because he smoked two packs of cigars uh, for like 30 years. Mm-hmm. And as terrible as that is, there is a cause and effect. You mm-hmm. can see like why that happened. And then there's another type of suffering that where you can see the good in the suffering, like, oh, I broke my leg and that's terrible. But, um, you know, the the guy who breaks his leg, he goes to the hospital and he ends up falling in love with the nurse. And, Mm. you know, they get married and they have kids. They have this wonderful life. And you think, well, that (laughs) suffering had a reason. There was. Did you just think of that reason for that story on the spot? Or was that that pre-thought out? You know, there's a lot of things that are going on in here all the time. (laughs) I'm thinking about your hair. I'm Uh thinking about that. You know, lots of things. Right. 
Um, so there's that. But then we have innocent suffering, which there's no cause and effect. And that is a human condition in a fallen world. Mm. And many of us have horrific experiences of this. And Jesus relates to us at the highest level on the cross. And although our innocent suffering may not be taken away in the moment, what we can do as believers is we can point to a Jesus who went through it as well. So Jesus isn't up in heaven kind of just as a theoretician of humanity going, well, that sounds terrible. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. No, he actually climbed down into this planet and took on a body and then experienced it at the highest level so that when we go through it, mm. he goes through it with us. He identifies with us personally in that. And that is such a powerful thing about who Christ is and what happened at Calvary. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. It's, it's worthy for us to reflect on a lot this week. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more um, in a minute. But before we get there, I, I have some questions for you. Um, and just this is my curiosity factor um, that I think this, this is interesting to talk about. Since we're talking about the cross, why did the cross have to happen? Um, what often we don't talk about is because a, we don't know for sure. There's a lot of mystery around. So a lot of it is speculative, but there's a little bit of scripture. When, when Jesus said, um, why have you forsaken me? And he died. He physically died. What happened after that, between then and the resurrection, between Friday night and Sunday morning, what was going on? Um, because there was a lot going on that we, wasn't seen. We think, yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple things. What, what's your, what are your thoughts around the first Peter verses that where, where Peter talks about Jesus going down into hell, taking the keys? Yeah. Have you studied that very much and, uh, and what was going on there? Yeah. You know, I have a little bit and, and anybody who studies it's first Peter three, and it's actually right after the passage that I covered, I covered three eighteen in, mm -hmm. in detail, uh, for this weekend's message. And then Peter goes on to address in mm -hmm. a sense, mysteriously though, uh, what, what happened on Black Saturday. Yeah. When Jesus is in the tomb, there's this darkness, this Black Saturday, and it's black in the sense that it is a little bit obscured as well to us. So there's different theories then. Mm -hmm. And one of those theories that I would say is predominant is that Jesus actually went down to hell and he busted hell wide open. Yeah. He basically kind of went down as the victorious Christ and said to all the enemies, to the devil himself, and said, oh, hey, you thought you won yesterday on the cross, but I'm here to tell you uh, that's not the case. And so he kind of went into the prison mm -hmm. and then kind of, you know, showed himself to be his, his true self, uh, mm -hmm. the, the victorious Jesus. Mm -hmm. And some stuff happened there to prove his preeminence. And he kind of took the sense, in a sense, the keys of hell, the authority of hell is his as well. Mm. So that's one theory about what happened. Mm -hmm. There, we, we talked about how unfair it is and asked the question of what about um, how brutal his suffering was? Why did it have to be that brutal? And we're, when we ask that question, we're thinking about the, the physical side to the torture of what he went through mm -hmm. being uh, tortured and put on the cross. It was actually way worse than that because not only did he have to go through that physical torture and pain, but emotionally and spiritually he, we believe that he actually, the, 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 the full fullness of the wrath of God, which is a terrible thing mm -hmm. was placed upon him. Like he had to endure 
the fullness of the, the, there's this emotional pain, this spiritual pain of taking upon himself all of our sins and the consequences and the punishment of those sins. I can't, it's, it, it's mm-hmm. way beyond my brain to even understand yep. what that would be like and how overwhelming that pain is that Jesus endured for our sake. Like, I, I, I can't even comprehend that. No, I don't think we're really able to only because of our finiteness, right? This goes to why Jesus is himself God. He's um, the, you know, the son. He's part of the Trinity, God himself. And so this is a God-sized problem that he solved. Mm-hmm. And yes, he does say on the cross, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and you may know this, you may not, but Jesus was quoting Psalm 22 mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that he had the wherewithal to do that. And so many people look at that and they wonder like, okay, is this God's wrath now, in a sense, like separating him from the Father? Yeah. And we think that's that's a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, God is a God of wrath, and we talk about this, and we have before, and that scares some people. Like, mm-hmm. well, I thought God was a God of love, and how can mm-hmm. that be the case that he's this God of wrath? That, that doesn't mean that God's angry and that he's ready to strike mm-hmm. any one of us down when we make a mistake or commit a sin or we have a flaw. Uh, that's not what that means. The doctrine of, the God, the, the, the doctrine of wrath is not that at all. Mm-hmm. Basically what wrath is is God's response, the loving God's response to sin. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, just a, it's a part of his nature. Mm-hmm. And so there was all of this wrath because of there's all this sin, and then God chose to, in a sense, pour all of that into the cup and had Jesus drink it. And that mm-hmm. was what the cross was accomplishing. And so that aspect of mm-hmm. what did that look like spiritually? What did that look like cosmically? We can only guess. But that was happening. Jesus was in yeah, a sense. I mean, he, there was two things going on, the physical and then the spiritual. Yeah, he, ex- he fully experienced hell. Not only whatever happened with him going down, but there was a sep- hell is the non-existent complete separation from God. So all of the attributes of God, love, kindness, joy, peace, beauty, um, everything we would call good when you're separated from God, you're complete. All those things are completely absent. Um, and so that, that what he experienced as he's dying on the cross is that, and he's experiencing hell and he didn't deserve it. We did. We, uh, we absolutely deserved it. That's right. And we are not going to have to experience that. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. It's the great exchange. We should go party right now. Well, we should end this. Let's go. That's why Resurrection Sunday, you know, Resurrection Weekend is a party, mm. is a celebration. When you look at, it's not just a metaphor for a fresh start. It's not, yeah. oh, it's springtime and, you know, everything's renewal. blooming. Yeah. It's renewal. No, it's it's a literal, like, Oh my goodness, he did something so unbelievable for us that we can't help but just explode with worship and praise and live for him. And and we're so grateful and thankful and it is really a party. So uh we we it's it's awesome. I love this is my favorite week of the year. I love this week. I love Holy Week. I love thinking about these things and preparing my heart for the celebration that's to come this coming weekend. Um, and so we laid out a challenge for our whole church. And uh, hopefully, if you listen to the sermon at the end, you heard that challenge. And um, we're going to be, as we enter into Holy Week, uh, we're going to be taking time, each and every one of us. And we hope, hopefully, you participate. And we're going to help you do that, um, reflecting on this week. So Monday, we're going to reflect on 
a thought for Monday of kind of what Jesus was doing his last week. Tuesday, the same thing. Tuesday, overturning tables, whatever he's doing Tuesday. Um, and then Wednesday and then Thursday with the Last Supper. And we're going to kind of go day by day. Um, you, you should get a video via social media. So if you're on our Instagram account, if you're on our Facebook account, um, you'll get a short devotional video um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. So look out for that. And uh, our hope is that you're intentional in preparing your heart for the celebration that's to come this weekend and that it would be a blessing to you, to your family, um, and to your community group. Um, so with, with that in mind, um, this video is going out on Sunday, which is Palm Sunday. We didn't touch on Palm Sunday this weekend, which is fine because we usually hit on it every weekend. But it is Palm Sunday, so this is the day. Yeah. Um, if you're watching this video on Sunday, um, where Jesus enters, Jesus enters Jerusalem, big celebration. It's a party. People are excited that the king that they think is going to save Israel from the Romans is finally coming in to deliver them. It's triumphant. Um, it's, it's like Sunday and Sunday are awesome days. <laughs> yeah. They really are. And so this is one of the awesome, not as awesome as the next one, but it's an awesome day. It's a fun day. It's an energetic day. There's a lot of hopefulness. Um, and Jesus allows that hopefulness to exist mm-hmm. for today. As he, uh, as he, do you have any, you have any Palm Sunday thoughts as you, as you think about Palm Sunday is such a interesting and wonderful, um, kind of scene in scripture. And it really was unfortunately misplaced the, mm-hmm. the exuberance around Jesus, because like you just said, it was really thought of as, as like, Hey, he's going to politically bring us freedom. The Messiah is going to finally bring us back to the the golden Davidic age where we were our own standalone nation and we can become God's people once again without the influences of, you know, the Greeks, the Romans, and these other things. And and Jesus doesn't necessarily stop and correct all of that along the way, but he fully knows that what he's actually doing is much greater than that. It's much deeper than that. And, and so he allows, in a sense, the mm-hmm. worship to happen, but I think he was kind of going, just wait till you see mm-hmm. how this all plays out. Mm-hmm. And you're really going to be... You're like, not going to like me tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you're just really not. Um, I don't know how sad he was on that day. I know he had a lot of sadness in the temple when he, when he confronts and sees what's actually happening in Jerusalem and how just screwed up everything is, um, which he already knew, obviously. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't when I re- read the Palm Sunday text, I don't get any indication of how joyful or sad Jesus is, right? I mean, he... Yeah, it's we're not told that. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder how he, what he was feeling You know what day. we can derive from the text is he was focused. Yeah. He was really focused. We're not sure about his emotional state, but we do know that he was very driven and he was very... Um, he wasn't allowing distractions mm-hmm. because he knew literally in just a few days he has to then, mm. uh, in a sense, fulfill what he was, yeah. was sent here to do. Yeah. And and so you kind of get the sense. And I love that because, you know, we get distracted a lot, I think, in our lives, just a million different things. And then Jesus, in a sense, is constantly modeling to us, like, uh, attributes and things that we can put into our life. And the fact that he was so focused on this one goal, I think, really, we can get a lot from that. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, we hope that you get a lot out of this Holy Week and that you have um, some fantastic time with God of reflecting on what he's about to do, celebrating it um, with friends, with family, with your community group. And uh, you can look back on this week and see that 
um, that Jesus really ministered to you and that it, it was a, it was a good moment for you in terms of where God is leading you personally and uh, what your next steps with Jesus are. So thanks for taking the time to listen and uh, we'll talk to you next week.